At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Podcasting to millions from WebmasterRadio.fm's world headquarters. WebmasterRadio.fm proudly presents the longest-running program on affiliate marketing. Welcome to Affiliate Buzz. Our hosts, James and Arlene Martell, are here to inspire, inform, and motivate you with expert insight, interviews, and information that will increase your bottom line. Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Now, please welcome James and Arlene. Yes, it's James Martell here, and welcome to edition number 498 of the Affiliate Buzz, where we've been keeping affiliates inspired, informed, and motivated to succeed with affiliate programs since way back in 2003. If you're joining us live here today on webmasterradio.fm, it's great to have you with us. If you're joining us through a podcast on your smartphone, tablet, computer, or maybe your Wi-Fi radio, a very special welcome to you as well. Arlene is away today. However, not to worry, I have a very special guest for you. Ken McCarthy, a true internet pioneer and founder of the System Seminar and the System Club, and you are in for such a treat. We're going to be talking with Ken, who is going to share how to maximize money in minimum time online. He's going to cover off a few of his proven business building strategies that he's learned over the last 25 years working in the internet marketing space. He's going to talk about the first law of internet marketing and share his simple equation that shows the only two things that really determine how much profit you'll make online. And it's one that I've been uh, living by since I learned it from him personally, probably 12, 13 years ago now, actually during one of his system seminars in Chicago. He's going to share some key decision points for starting a business, the things you must do to make money online or anywhere else for that matter, as he says. He uh, is going to share common internet business mistakes and their simple solutions. And as Ken says, if you're making any one of these mistakes, Correcting it will reduce spending and increase your profits, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch more. Now, Ken McCarthy sponsored, get this, the very first conference on the subject of the web's commercial potential way back in 1994 with the then 23-year-old co-founder of Netscape. Remember Netscape, the earliest, the first browser? Mark Andreessen. Uh, who was his featured speaker. He's going to talk about that today. Since 1993, Ken has developed numerous cutting-edge training programs that have not only helped his clients make more money, but have also served to advance the state-of-the-art in internet marketing practice. Ken has been teaching business owners how to make money online since 1993, and in the process has had the chance to test countless money-making strategies and tactics, many of which you're going to hear today. Over the years, his students, myself included, have applied these techniques to their own businesses and added thousands, 
tens of thousands, and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars to their annual incomes. And today, Ken is going to share the core principles he taught in his book, System Secrets, that spawned from his system seminar, an event internet marketers literally spent thousands of dollars to fly to from all over the world to attend each year. And after a real quick break, I'm going to ask Ken McCarthy, founder of the System Seminar and System Club, to share a little bit about how to maximize money in minimum time online. We'll do that and a whole bunch more right after a quick break. More affiliate buzz coming up after we hear from our sponsors. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. Where affiliate marketing gets its buzz and mobile has its presence. WebmasterRadio.fm. Online, anytime. We're everywhere. Not on my watch, our military service members say, as they volunteer to serve. As they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve to live full and independent lives, even when there's no government funding or a nursing home seems like the only option. We won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Join us at findwwp.org. Not on my watch, our military service members say, as they volunteer to serve, as they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve to live full and independent lives, even when there's no government funding or a nursing home seems like the only option. We won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Join us at findwwp.org. Want a hot pod? Load it with webmasterradio.fm and play with us all day long. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Time now to hear some more affiliate buzz on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's James and Arlene. Arlene is away today. However, I'm here with Ken McCarthy, founder of the System Seminar and the System Club. And we're talking about how to maximize money in minimum time online. Now, Ken, let's talk about your background. I know we in the in the introduction to the show, I talked about your original conference on e-commerce way back in 1993 and how you had Mark Andreessen, the founder of Netscape, the original browser that I think probably is very instrumental in, in, in kicking off this thing we call the Internet. But you had the foresight way back then to actually – First of all, have a conference on the topic of, of e-commerce on this thing. we I, I didn't even know the internet existed in, in 93, so that puts me where I was. But you had the founder of Netscape on there, and you had the foresight to, to put a conference together. Can you take us back to that? Sure, sure. I was living in San Francisco at the time, which was a very good place to be living if you wanted to be an internet pioneer but didn't realize that's what you wanted to be. Because <laughs> uh, when I moved there, there was really no public internet. Uh, the For people that go way back, they'll remember that the, the big names on the internet were CompuServe and AOL and Prodigy and then the 1,001 or actually 50,001 uh, computer bulletin boards, BBSs. And that was the online world. And it was really unwieldy. You know, if you wanted to uh, access CompuServe, you, you had to just go to CompuServe. That was it. And then if you wanted to go from CompuServe to AOL, you had to log off of CompuServe and log on uh, to AOL. And each one of those things was a phone call. Um, and if you wanted to log on to a specialty computer bulletin board, you had to dial up that computer bulletin board, and it might have been a long-distance charge. So it was just a mess. And I was, But I was very excited and interested in the phenomenon because you know, I'm a sort of a historian of marketing and uh, you know, I don't just market, I also read about how people have marketed in the past. And I was aware of, you know, how, how significant it can be when a new medium emerges. 
Um, for instance, uh, mail. <laughs> we don't think of mail as new, but the idea of universal delivery of mail uh, really didn't start until after the uh, Civil War. And once once that came into place, then suddenly all kinds of you know marketing by mail and catalogs, the Sears catalog and all these things that seemed like old hat suddenly appeared and they became very big, very fast. So when I saw that PCs were getting faster and I saw that modem speeds were getting faster and everything was getting cheaper and I saw the fact that people actually liked, not, not everybody because not everybody knew about the online world, but the people that had discovered the online world were really liking it and spending a lot of time with it. And um, I, was, I was amazed that you know, people would respond to emails, you know, email solicitations. And I thought, this, you know, if, if just 10% of my customers were to go online, this would save me a, few, a fortune in marketing costs. Mm. So that's what got me interested. Because at the time, I was a direct marketer, sort of old school, because there was no new school. <laughs> there was no online marketing. Uh, so I just, I just thought, wow, this, this could be another one of those big historic shifts. And luckily, I was living right in gra- at ground zero, which was San Francisco. Uh, and I'd even say more so, more imp- it was more important to be in San Francisco than it was to be in Silicon Valley, because believe it or not, in the early days of the commercial web, Silicon Valley did not embrace the internet. If you're a good, yeah, if you're a good detective and can, you know, go back and find the really old stuff, you will find Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and Larry Ellison, uh, who's, who's a big gun in, in Silicon Valley in those days, still is. Um, saying that the internet was bull, it was not going anywhere, and not to pay any attention to it. <laughs> Literally. That's the, they were, they're all quoted as saying things of that kind. So people who were mainstream Silicon Valley were not enthusiastic about the internet in those early 1990 years at all. And I didn't really care. I never care what other people's opinions are. I, I, I think things through uh, as carefully as I can. I do as much research as I can. And if I think something's right, I'm going to go with it. I, I couldn't care less what other people think. It doesn't matter. And, and in this case, it, it certainly didn't matter. I remember back uh, around that time, this would have been early 90s, going over to Victoria one weekend. And I don't know what the context, why I ended up there, but I ended up in this clubhouse. And it basically, it was a, it was a bunch of, of what, what I thought at the time was a bunch of computer geeks huddled around these bulletin boards, and it was called Big Blue. And they were all they were all logging. So this would have been pre Netscape because it was all still looked like DOS, not DOS. It was it was text, but it was it was it was it wasn't pretty to look at, and it wasn't easy to use. But these guys were so enthusiastic about it that they met two three two or three times a week just to play with the bulletin board, and that they were logging in and talking to people. So this way would have guessed even before before Netscape. So just, you know, for listeners, take us back to the Netscape talk that Mark Andreessen gave and then what he eventually did. Well, I, I mean, before I do that, let me just, just point out that, yeah, you, you stumbled on uh, a group of hardcore uh, computer bulletin board users. And that was the big clue to me when I saw people like that. And I saw similar things, by the way, in, in San Francisco. And then I had my own experiences of being a bulletin board user. And I saw that it was a really compelling medium. And my thought was, wow, if this ever gets easy, because it certainly wasn't easy in those days. As you point out, there was no point and click. That, that was the big innovation, by the way, of, of Mark Andreessen. Hmm. Um, he, took, he took that, that you know, where you had to type in all the instructions as if it, as if it were DOS, literally. Uh, and he figured out how to point, put a point and click interface on it. Actually, he and a bunch of friends, they worked together. So that, that was the big innovation. And as soon as that happened, uh, that started the, the, uh, the internet, like the web, the internet slash web uh, explosion. And within a year uh, of them coming into business, the computer bulletin board world was out of business. Because as I, as I mentioned, if you wanted to access a computer bulletin board, you had to dial up. You had to you know, you know, literally dial, dial up a number and you can only be on one board at a time. And once we with the web, obviously, you can just skip from website to website. Now, that just seems normal and obvious and logical, uh, but that didn't exist. And by the way, if there was a website in China, or if there was a bulletin board in China that you wanted to access, well, you had to make a long-distance call to China <laughs> to get <laughs> onto that board, you know? So, it, so I thought, wow, if somebody can figure out how to 
deal with that problem and just make it one unified network. Little did I know that, that, it, that they were right around the corner from doing that. Uh, and if people could just have one access point and that would get them onto this global network, that's going to change this whole online world. And in fact, it did. You know, the bulletin boards disappeared, CompuServe sort of disappeared, AOL's content more or less disappeared, and it just became a, an access company. Um, so, you know, Mark, Mark talked about how they developed it. Uh, the very interesting thing, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to take it any way from Mark, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be falsely modest here. If you, if you run my talk at that conference against his talk, my talk was a lot more prescient and a lot more useful because what I said was, look, um, we, cause it, by the way, in, in early 90s, 93, 94, nobody had a clue how the Internet was going to pay for itself. Yeah. And um, Mark's vision was that websites would be corporate-sponsored, so there'd be a website on, I don't know, backgammon, and it would be brought to you by IBM. <laughs> okay. you know? uh, and, you know, not a, not a bad guess. It could have gone that way. But I said, no, no, this is going to be a direct response medium. And see, nobody in the Silicon Valley, or very few people in the Silicon Valley world, I can say nobody in the digital media world in San Francisco, had any experience or understanding or respect for direct response. Now, I had been in direct response. That's what I did. You know, measured um, advertising, where you spend money on an ad, you can see what you can see exactly what your results are, and you can you know do more ads or less ads or change the headline or you know I was completely familiar with that. This was not any, something that was being practiced in Silicon Valley at all, like by nobody. Hmm. Um, and and people that were aware of direct response were contemptuous of it. You know, they go, oh, that's that's uh, you know infomercials, stuff like that. <laughs> You, and you and I had a chance to talk about that recently, how there was a period of time, and I guess it's still out there somewhat, where monetizing, you know, fast forward a little bit to the more of the present day, a blog or a podcast or some types of content online, there's still people out there that think that's bad. You don't want to do that. That's It taints the content. So even way back then, I guess it would have been worse. Well, it, it, it was. People were really militant about it. But, but the, the weird thing was even business people, I mean, even people who, you know, didn't, you know, they didn't have any idealistic notions. They wanted to make money. Uh, they couldn't imagine a direct response model uh, working on the Internet. They just couldn't see it. Um, it you know, they were obviously wrong because Facebook and Google and all the people that support themselves with Facebook and Google advertising uh, are, are and, and anybody that buys a banner ad, they're all using a direct response model if they're smart. Mm. And and the direct response model says, I'm going to spend a dollar, I'm going to track the results of that dollar, and if I'm making money with that dollar, I'll buy some more ads like that in the same place. And if I'm not making money, I'll stop doing that and do something else. I mean, it's it's so it's almost ludicrously simple, and yet this was this was brain surgery and rocket science uh, back in the early 90s when it came to the web. Anybody that grasped this early and employed it uh, was way ahead of the game. And that, that was the model that I advocated in 1994. Um, so Mark talked, the most interesting thing about Mark's talk was he said, hey, look, when we went to develop this web browser, we wanted to solve all the easy problems and, and leave the hard problems alone. <laughs> so I thought that was a, that's a good business model too. You know, if you can make money by solving easy problems uh, instead of getting involved in some complex engineering task, uh, that's probably a, a good idea. Um, but, but just to give people some background or some perspective on this, you know, Windows, and I don't even know what they call it. They call it Windows anymore? I'm, I'm a Mac guy, so I don't even know what's going on. Yes, yeah, we still call it Windows, yep. Okay, well, Windows didn't come out till 95, you know, and when the web came out and hit in 94, uh, it really created a lot of consternation up there in Bellevue, Washington, because, you know, here they were, they, 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 their big project, their, their big breakthrough, going from having to type every instruction in to point and click, was suddenly being eclipsed by this software program, very simple program, a web browser that, that came out of nowhere. And uh, at that point, Bill Gates and, and company decided that they had to own that market. And then they created their own browser. Actually, they bought a browser. They never created anything. No offense to, to Microsoft, <laughs> but they, they didn't create it. They had to buy it. 
uh, from somebody, uh, and then they put their name on it, and then in, embedded it in all of the operating systems, and basically put Netscape out of business. Um, so Mark's now a VC. He's a venture capitalist guy, and it's uh, Andreessen Horowitz, and they're down there in Silicon Valley, and they're throwing around hundreds of billions of dollars every year, buying this, buying that, seeing if they can hit another Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So interesting, yeah. I I like to look back on this and like to have you you know share these stories because I think it, we're going to talk about maximizing minimum, uh, maximizing min, money and minimum time online, which is actually the title of one of your books. And but mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to kind of let listeners know where not only of course the internet came from, but where you came from and your experience with it. And I met you, I guess it would be, I'm not not exactly sure the exact year, 2004, maybe 2005, when I met you at your system seminar in Chicago. And to put it in perspective to our listeners, that was the most impactful event I'd ever been to. And by that point, I'd been to probably a couple of dozen conferences mm-hmm. and I'd spoken at a few and you invited me down and Arlene and I came down and had a chance to uh, not only speak, which was a, a true honor for me, but what I really got out of it was sitting in your talks and the talks of the other speakers because the other conferences that I had been to at the time were not really educationally based. They were more pitch fest. You were there. You're going to get sold something at the end of every talk, and it really gets old really quick. And you had this policy that there was zero pitching from the stage, and I thought that's so nice to be able to go and learn. And you handpicked everybody that was speaking, and you would. I, my goal at going to conferences was always to find a nugget or two. But every time I left the system seminar, I had a little bag full of them. So give us a little history on on the system seminar, when you came up with the idea, and then, you know, just tell, for listeners that are not familiar with it, please explain what uh, the system seminar was. Okay, sure. Um, You know, I put on that conference in 94, and I was teaching uh, from there on. And then around 98, and again, this is a bit of history, but it's important history, the internet was booming really hard. I mean, basically, you could just come up, if you could scratch a few ideas on the back of an envelope and get it to Silicon Valley and get it in front of somebody, they'd give you $10 million to try to execute. I mean, it literally was that lunatic. I mean, mean, here's how crazy it was. I subletted my uh, apartment in San Francisco uh, to a kid who just graduated from college, and uh, a year later, he calls me. Not even, excuse me, not even a year. He calls me and says, "Hey, I, I got to move out." And I said, "Oh, is everything okay?" He goes, "Yeah, I, I have enough money now to buy my own apartment." <laughs> it's like you got to be kidding me, man! <laughs> you know, it's a twenty-one-year-old kid, like nine months out of college, and things were booming so hard that if you just showed up and you had a pulse. Uh, you could make hundreds of thousands of dollars working in the, in the dot-com arena. So at that point, I got out of the education business because nobody was listening to direct response discipline. Everybody just assumed, I just need an idea, I need to get the idea in front of the right person, and the money's just going to come flowing. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to waste my breath trying to explain that this is a temporary phenomenon, and someday everyone's going to wake up, and all this free money is going to be gone. So I just you know, stuck to my own knitting, as they say. And then, of course, we had the big dot-com crash, and it was severe. Um, if people are remember or are familiar with a company called AdTech, that's kind of the big place that people go now to find out what's the latest and greatest in Internet advertising. And it's a huge show, and, you know, it's a big deal. And uh, AdTech, in 2002, almost went out of business. I mean, you know, not not hyperbole. I mean, they were really close to closing their doors. I had a friend that had a company with 180 employees. He had an entire floor uh, of an office building, a big office building in San Mateo, which is sort of near Silicon Valley, just up the street a bit, up the road. He also had a, an, a, an entire floor uh, of a building in Manhattan. I mean, he was rolling. And in 2003, his company was gone. I mean, just gone. It was like a, a neutron bomb <laughs> that hit Silicon Valley. And, and, you know, just eliminated all the people, uh, but the buildings were still standing. I mean, it, was, it was that severe. And uh, so in that, in that climate, uh, I decided, all right, I think people are ready to listen to reason. And that's when I started a system seminar. Uh, I was sort of 
toying with it or, or uh, experimenting with it on my own in 2001, the different methods. And then in 2002, I took the results of what I found out and started teaching it to the public. And people were really receptive because they knew that all this nonsense about, you know, just, just put it online and the money will follow wasn't true and that you actually had to sell things on the internet. <laughs> Lo and behold, imagine that. Uh, and the reason we were able to offer a system uh, was the emergence of pay-per-click advertising, which started uh, with a company called GoTo in the very late 90s, uh, and then, then uh, turned into Overture, and I think Yahoo bought them, and then Google came out with, with their pay-per-click advertising in 2002. Yeah, 2002. And so for the first time, you were able to buy specific traffic and know exactly what you were paying per click. Uh, and that was, a, that was a real breakthrough. And it's not that pay-per-click is the beginning and the middle and the end of all internet marketing. It's just it gave you a really clear yardstick. So you could buy a particular keyword. You could you know, figure out how much you were paying for it. You could track how many people clicked on your ad. You could track how many people bought from that ad. And suddenly, you could approach things in a systemic way, in a systematic way. And that was, you know, that, that seems really obvious today. Nobody was teaching that in 2002. There were some people doing it, uh, but they weren't really in a rush to show other people how it worked. Uh, but I like teaching, and, and uh, you know, I, I think it's a fun thing to do. So uh, I was teaching people how to do it. And then once you start realizing what your traffic costs and what your leads cost, which is all, this is all direct response 101, and what a sale costs, uh, then you can start making some intelligent decisions about how you're going to spend your time generating traffic. Um, and then you start getting more serious about your landing page. And that was a concept that I don't think we didn't, we didn't coin that term, but we were among the very first to say, look, you really got to think about what page you send people to. And you really need to design your page in such a way as to make people feel like they're in the right place and they should take action. <laughs> Again, common sense, everybody's doing it now, it doesn't seem like it's anything special, but nobody was thinking about that. People would just throw up random pages, they might put a little line that says join our mailing list. So, you know, we were doing things to, you know, entice people to join lists, uh, giving away free reports, which again is another kind of old hat thing, but we knew from our direct response experience that if you don't give people a strong reason to join your mailing list or share their data with you, they're not going to do it. Um, so we put all this, and then, and then we, we, we told people, look, you've gone through all this effort to get somebody to your website. You've gone through all this effort for, to get them to join your list or to ask for something free so that you can have their, their information. Now you need to follow up intelligently. And we had started working on a uh, what we call the sequential autoresponder uh, back in 1996, and then A. Weber perfected one uh, and made it available to the public in 97. So we thought, hey, we'll go with theirs. It's a lot easier. And suddenly you've got um, I don't know, I, I don't know what people call them. They call them autoresponders these days, or yeah, still autoresponders. Yeah. Um, you know, and then this whole thing about a funnel, you know, the funnel, and oh my God, the funnel, it's, the funnel is the next thing closest to God, you know? <laughs> well, we, we were doing that back in, in, the, in the late 90s. We would, we, would, we would sort people by offers. So if, I mean, let's say, let's, let's use a simple example. Let's say we're offering information, we're, we're offering fishing lures, right? So we'd offer uh, free reports. So one free report on salmon fishing, one free report on uh, trout fishing and free report on uh, deep water fishing. So we knew based on what people asked for what kind of lures they'd be interested in. Right? So that's that's funneling. I mean, that's yeah, funnel yeah. marketing. So, so yeah, anyway, so we, we were teaching all this uh, in, a, in a systematic way uh, in the early 2000s. And then you pointed out that the quality of seminars, for some reason, and I, I to this day I can't understand it, a large percentage of seminars in the internet marketing space, instead of just teaching good stuff, which yeah. I made, believe me, I made plenty of money teaching good stuff. I, I didn't miss any deals <laughs> by teaching good stuff. It didn't hurt me financially. But a large percentage of people just felt that they, 
they had to put on dog and pony shows. And so basically it would be, you know, let's get an audience together in this room. And then, uh, you know, Bill, you sell them this and Jack, you sell them that. And Jim, you know, nobody seemed to care whether the material was any good or not. They just seemed to care what kind of sales could be made from the platform because the, pr the producer of the seminar would get a share of everybody's sale. So they were motivated then not to have necessarily great content, but to have great performers who had great offers. And, you know, there's a place for that. There's nothing wrong with making offers from the stage in general, but when the whole conference is based on that and nothing else, and nobody particularly cares about the quality of the content or the, the authenticity of it, then you run into problems. So it kind of made life easy for me because very quickly people could tell the difference between these dog and pony shows and coming to a real seminar. And so the best speakers, the best experts always wanted to be on our stage. And, you know, we had a very simple deal. Hey, we'll promote the heck out of you. Everybody will know your name uh, when the seminar rolls around, the annual seminar conference rolls around to getting, you know, advertising that money can't buy, but you can't sell anything. Now, if you're really good, um, people are going to know your name and, gonna, and are going to contact you and going to want to do business with you. In fact, a lot of people built some really nice businesses uh, using their platform at the system seminar as a start. Uh, but that's how we that's how we did things, and I was very happy to do it that way, and our attendees were very happy, and uh, life was good. <laughs> and your speakers were very happy too, and it was uh, a real pleasure to be uh, a part of it for the time that I was there. And, and I know Arlene uh, feels the same uh, a lot. So, but let's do this. I can see we are up against a break now. I'm here with Ken McCarthy, founder of the System Seminar and System Club. And after a real quick break, we're going to dig into this whole area of how to maximize money in minimum time online with Ken. We'll do that and more right after a quick break. More affiliate buzz coming up after we hear from our sponsors. AM Days 2018 comes to Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Register now at amdays.com. Make the most of your performance marketing with help from some of the most iconic brands, including Microsoft, Capital One, Uber, Backcountry, and many more. AM Days 2018 brings together a powerhouse of industry leaders and dealmakers to network and share insights on the latest practices and cutting-edge updates in performance marketing and more. Make plans to be in Las Vegas for a landmark 10th event. AM Days 2018, Las Vegas, May are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Time now to hear some more affiliate buzz on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's James and Arlene. Arlene is away today. However, I'm here with Ken McCarthy, founder of the System Seminar and System Club. Now, Ken, let's dig into this topic uh, of your book, How to Maximize Money in Minimum Time Online. Let me let, just kind of toss that over to you. I know uh, one of the things in the book, in fact, let, maybe we could start here because this is where I started with you. One of the first things that I learned from you, I think, is what you call the first law of internet marketing, and you call it a simple equation that shows the only two things that really determine how much profit you make online. And I think you alluded to it a little bit before the break there, but uh, could you uh, elaborate on that? Sure. Uh this, the book is called System Secrets, Make Maximum Money and uh, Minimum Time Online. And it, I've, I've always felt that from the beginning that the Internet was just 
another business. And I don't mean that dismissively. Uh, I mean it in a positive sense. In other words, the rules that work in normal business uh, will work on the Internet too. And that was just an important thing to keep people focused on because I think people are getting a little more realistic about the Internet now. Uh, but people were kind of a little bit too enthusiastic about it uh, you know, for, many, for many years. Uh, but one of the problems I had in teaching was all the, the talk and the, oh, all the hype and the buzz and the conversations about all these new bells and whistles. I mean, it's always the same thing. There's always some new bell and whistle that's going to solve every marketing problem and catapult you to instant wealth. And people would get tangled up in stuff like that and that wouldn't work. And then they, the next thing would come along and it just was this endless cycle. And I was like, this is not really helping people. Uh, so one day in desperation at one of the seminars, I hadn't planned to say this. I said, look, guys, look, it's just two things. It's traffic and conversion. Forget everything else. Forget all the conversation. Forget all the speculation. Forget all the theories. Forget all the gurus. If you can get traffic, relevant traffic, and you can put a relevant offer uh, in front of them in a skillful way, you'll make money. So you should be spending at least 90% of your time either buying, not necessarily buying traffic, but figuring out how to get relevant traffic, uh, qualified traffic, and then figuring out how to convert it. And if you're doing anything else, uh, you're probably wasting your time. And it, it's a simple idea, but again, it was not common in those days. People did get involved in all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and people still do. Even I do. You know, I keep, you know, it's a discipline. I have to continuously remind are you, are you generating more traffic for this site? Are you improving conversions and monetization? If not, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> uh, get off get off all the other stuff you're doing and, and uh, focus on, on the things that matter. And I... You know, you, I know you did well with that, and I, I have friends that, and co colleagues and students that did well with that. Um, uh, I, people for, forever are telling me, wow, that traffic plus conversion equals profits formula really helped me. It really helped me focus. I know people that would print it on a card and put it over their desks uh, so that they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, they'd look at it every day and they wouldn't get sidetracked. Uh, I know a guy that's built a, an eight-figure year sale, your business sales. Um, that swears that that was the thing that made the difference for him. Yeah, and I could say the same, and I know business owners have heard me say, and I've credited you every time, is that, that I learned that at, from you at the system seminar, and it does keep me on track because there is, and I, it was students of mine and myself at times, the, the, the funny saying is we have a tendency to get distracted by shiny objects online. And that is the little formula that keeps pulling me back to it's like, nope, let's keep this back to the simple traffic plus conversion equals profit. And then when you kind of internalize that and keep that as the mantra, then uh, it does it does have a tendency to keep us on track for sure. Yep. Now, you uh, one of the things you mentioned in your book, too, you talk about the seven key decision points for starting a business. And I don't know if we have time to get into them all, but can you give us a flavor for that? Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, you probably heard this from people that write books. Uh, they forget what, <laughs> what they actually wrote. <laughs> however, however, luckily I have the book in front of me. All right, so here they are. First one, and this again seems really, really, really simple. But it's very, very important. In fact, it might be the most important decision you make, um, which is selecting the right marketplace. Are we still, we're still live, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're still good. Yeah. Still oh, okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Selecting the right marketplace. This is so important because you can have the world's greatest marketing. You could put all the best energy and focus and intelligence you've got. You could hire the best experts. Uh, you can have the best tools, the best of everything. If you're trying to sell to, for lack of a better word, a dead market, you're not going to get results. Conversely, if you're in, if you're in a, a promising marketplace, uh, and, and we could describe what that is if we have time, um, you don't have to be the best marketer in the world. Uh, your marketing can be kind of basic. It can be kind of simple. Um, one of my favorite categories of student uh, 
were pe- people who were selling things that nobody else was selling online. Now, of course, that's a lot harder to achieve today, uh, but we still have examples of that, especially in the, uh, the business-to-business arena. Uh, I really love companies that are selling sort of arcane, technical, not necessarily high-tech, but just industrial stuff that, that's not sexy, that nobody talks about, that's not glamorous, and yet makes a lot of money. And there's a lot of niches like that. And those are great markets because the, the margins are high, the demand is solid, you know who the buyers are, you don't have to guess, uh, and you don't have a lot of sophisticated competition. One of the problems I think a lot of people face with internet marketing today, 2018, is they're going into markets that you know already have a million people in them. Uh, and some of those people are really, really, really good. So one of the things you're looking for, first of all, is a responsive market. Uh, you're looking for a market that's big enough to be worth messing with, uh, a market where you can have good margins, uh, a market where you can potentially be uh, one of the only suppliers. I mean, these are the kinds of things you're looking for. Uh, if you watch Shark Tank, you know everybody in Shark Tank is very uh, product-driven. They, they, they come up with an idea. They love it. They invest you know, all their time and effort into it. And then when they get on Shark Tank, the first thing Shark Tank wants to know is, hey, how much does it cost you to get a customer? What are your margins? Uh, yeah. How are you going to sell this thing? How big is the marketplace? Is, you know, and, and if those questions can't be answered in an affirmative way, uh, it's no deal. And so my, my biggest piece of advice to, to people that are in business to make money um, is before you start a business, take a look at those issues. They're really, really important, and they'll make a big difference on how far you can take your business. For instance, I have, I have a, sort of what I call a hobby business. It does make money, but it just makes terrible money. But I went into, it, I went into this particular business consciously because it's, it's a hobby. It's an area that I really like. But I knew going in that there was going to be a, a kind of a cap on how much I could make. So it's not a shock and it's not a surprise. And when I built the business, I built it with, you know, zero dollar investment. It was all, you know, sh- you know smarts and, and savvy. I didn't want to use any dollars to build it. And, you know, it doesn't make a lot of money, you know, but it makes, it makes nice five figures a year. Uh, it takes about an hour uh, to manage a day. Uh, I'm doing something that I love, uh, but, you know, it's not something I would recommend anybody do if, if their main goal is to make maximum money. So what would you say, I think, and I think this probably leads nicely into this, what, obviously, choosing the wrong market, it would be one of them, but what, what are the common mistakes that you see, uh, you know, those getting started, or even, I guess even those in the business that are not really doing well, what, what are the mistakes they're making? Well, that we just we just hit on a, on a really big one. Um, I would say, you know, we've already talked about another one, which is being distracted, uh, you know, getting getting involved in things that, that aren't related to the, the, the business at hand. Um, oh, I would say a, another big source of error is underestimating uh, the difficulty of building one of these businesses. Uh, it's never been easy. I mean, there, there, there have been times and certain markets and certain situations where it was easier than other times. Um, but in general, it's, it's, you know, it's a long, generally it's a long haul. You know, there are many overnight successes that took, you know, 10 years to accomplish. Now I was able to do a lot in a very short period of time uh, on the web for two reasons. One, the web was exploding. You know, it was that, that hockey stick where it just went from nothing to, you know, a huge amount of, of business very quickly. But the reason I was able to profit from that was I had the 10 years before it of really disciplined direct response so that when I had, you know, sort of like in baseball, you know, it was like the perfect pitch for me was coming down, you know, and I saw it and it was like, oh, this is one I can really nail. But it was because I'd had 10 years of hitting batting experience. Um, and and when, I, when a great pitch came, I really recognized it and I was able to hit it out of the park. So I think... A uh, mistake would be to think it's simple and to think that it's easy. Uh, and, to, and then related to that is not to be uh, in the mindset of continuously studying and learning. This, I think, is probably the most important thing. And if I 
if I were to ascribe a single characteristic to people I know that have been successful on the internet is that they're intensely curious. Uh, they do have that shiny metal object thing. I mean, I think all, all uh, entrepreneurs have that, but they discipline it. You know, they, they focus on traffic and conversion. And then in their spare time, instead of watching TV, instead of going out to the bar, uh, instead of doing whatever it is people do when, they, when they're just you know, relaxing, they would get, get out of some books and start reading about marketing and just deepen and broaden their knowledge of business and marketing. And that is an investment you've just got to make as an entrepreneur. Um, there's just not enough. You've got to be sort of a homemade entrepreneur. You've got to make yourself self-made. Uh, you can take all the courses in the world. You can take all the trainings in the world, and they're all helpful. Well, well the good ones are helpful, and and you should you should take advantage of all those things. But then you have to go off on your own and just discover things. And that's that's how people make money. They don't make generally they don't make money from a cookbook. Uh, you know, do this, do that. You'll make money. They make money from starting with a cookbook and then learning about food and cooking and ingredients and looking at what other people are doing and, you know, starting to make their own special dishes, if, if, that, if that analogy makes sense. And I think people that don't realize that that's part of the, the requirement for success are not going to be successful. I know one of the presenters that was there, I think probably every year I was there, was his name was Lloyd, and he came from, oh, yeah. uh, I believe it was an MMR, mixed martial arts background. And mm -hmm. just a fantastic guy to listen to and very smart and very, very successful. And he came out of your seminar and he credited what he learned uh, from you in, uh, you know, for his success. So could you tell his story? Because it was fantastic. Yeah, you know, a lot of people think that famous athletes are automatically rich. <laughs> and uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Maybe if you're a basketball player or a baseball player, but there are a lot of sports where you can be world famous. And he was, he was the uh, world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, he was the U S champion in judo. He was the U S champion in a, in a Russian martial art called Sambo. Um, he was good. And that, and I don't know what it costs to get on the subway these days, but that in let's say $2 and 50 cents would get him on the subway. It just didn't mean anything. Um, so he started a, a gym, you know, a workout gym, like so many athletes do. And I'm trying to think what there was a, a particular Billy, Billy Bang or Billy Boggs or Billy something or other, but there was some guy that had this really successful infomercial. And so he became a licensee and was teaching this stuff and he was doing very well. And then like all fads, uh, it, it faded. And, uh, it, you know, proof of that is I can't remember the guy's name, but for a while it was the hottest thing on earth. And then next thing you know, it wasn't hot at all. And he couldn't pay the, the rent on the on the on the you know the exercise studio, and it was just just a mess. So he came to the system seminar, and he had super motivation, and that's also an important element, of course. And he also, you know, he was willing to apply his when he learned something, he applied it right away. He was not really interested in hearing uh, or indulging in theories. A lot of people will go and read books or go to seminars and they're just fascinated by the theory and it's a lot of fun to hear the theories and hear other people's success stories. But that didn't really do anything for him. He wanted to hear stuff and then immediately start doing it. And so he literally, the minute he learned about an opt-in, and again, this seems like the oldest thing in the world and shouldn't everybody already know it, but believe me, when, when we were doing this, people didn't know about opt-ins. Uh, when he heard about what an opt-in was, he immediately went back to his room on the break, called a friend of his who was a computer guy, and said, hey, make me one of these opt-in pages <laughs> and buy me and start buying me some traffic from, uh, from uh, I guess in those days it was Overture. So that quick action, that, impl that quick implementation, uh, that, that um, readiness to turn an idea into action as quickly as possible, these are really important traits. Uh, speed is really important in business. Uh, you know, you, you could hear an idea and then it takes you six months to get around to deploying it. That's not a good timetable. <laughs> so, so he was, he was very good at that. And, and, you know, now he's got a 10,000 square foot, uh, workout place, uh, in Maryland. Uh, he is training, uh, hundreds of people, uh, in, in, in martial arts and mixed martial arts. 
including uh, some very famous people who, because he's very, he's really good at what he does. Now, being a really good mixed martial artist didn't do anything for his bank account, but learning how to take his knowledge, turn himself into a celebrity, which is something that he did with his marketing, uh, and then create products to sell to his following, that's where he made his money from. Uh, and that's sort of the model. Uh, that's, that's the info marketing model. That's, if you're not, if you're selling physical products, that's a different, different business altogether. But if you're selling information, if you're selling advice, uh, step one is to make yourself a celebrity within that field. And I don't mean a, you know, celebrity, you know, who's on with, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, you know, I'm not talking about that kind of celebrity, but I'm talking about within your particular market being a celebrity. I mean, nobody knows who I am outside of internet marketing circles, but within internet marketing circles, when the system was you know, running, uh, I was definitely a celebrity in that field, and that was worth a lot of money to me because I was able to monetize it. I put on these events. Uh, I, you know, I sold tapes of the events. I was able to attract great speakers. I was able to attract big audiences, and it was all because one of the things I focused on was being a celebrity. Um, being a known quantity, being a known person. So that that's that was Lloyd's basic formula. Uh, and it took him a while, you know. He he spent about six months on, uh, in these day, those days there was no uh, Facebook, but there were discussion boards. So he would get on the discussion boards for mixed martial arts, and he would contribute and answer questions, and he built up quite a following. That was a, a decent way to build a following in those days. And... He, his very first product was actually somebody else's product, which is not a bad way to go, by the way, when you're first getting started. Yeah. Build the list first, yeah. uh, and, then t- and then test the words. Let somebody else develop the product. Let somebody else develop a, a sales system and a sales page, and you become an affiliate. I know this is something that you, you've been teaching for years and years, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that's a really good way to test the waters because the bottom line is whether you are an affiliate uh, of other people's products or eventually have your own products, you're going to have to master uh, the art of getting qualified people to come to your pages. Uh, so if you can't be, if you can't successfully sell affiliate offers, um, you're going to have a heck of a time trying to sell your own offers. So it's a great sort of training, uh, you know, to sell affiliate offers because you know it's all about the traffic part. And, some, and believe a lot of people, we know people, and, and I know you do, who they're very happy to stay affiliates. They they switch from affiliate offer to affiliate offer because, like everything else, they have there's a sort of a fashion for a certain offer. And yep. when an offer is hot, they're out there buying traffic like crazy. They're tracking their results. They're buying more ads that work. They're stopping ads that don't work, and they're taking money all the way to the bank. I mean, that's still a a viable uh, model. We have a friend. Uh, who's been doing this for years and years, and uh, one year and a half, he and a partner decided to really pour it on, and they they almost worked themselves into an early grave. But when all the dust when, when all the dust settled, well, because it's tricky, you know, you're you know they would write you know a five figure check for traffic and or take on a five figure commitment, and you don't know, you know, you don't always know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but when all the dust settled after a year and a half, they had 1.8 million U.S. dollars to split between them, and that's not bad. There's not many. <laughs> there's not many professions where, you know, you can you can go out and do that that fast. Uh, yeah, and it's not yeah. your product; it's somebody else's product. Yeah, so let them so, worry. You know, let them worry about it. So let's do this, Ken. I can see we're coming up against the clock here. We got about a couple minutes left, maybe two and a half minutes. Would you take this remaining time and? Talk about uh, your System Club newsletter for one, and then uh, I'm going to put some links to your books in the show notes as well. But anything else you'd like to cover off uh, as far as where listeners can learn more and uh, basically follow you? And I would recommend to all my listeners that they should be doing that. Okay, great. Um, well, in 2011, I, I put on my last big public seminar uh, for a couple of reasons. One. Uh, they're a pain, <laughs> and I'm not really. I just didn't really want to do it anymore. I mean, it, believe me, if you've never thrown a you know, if you've never thrown a party for 500 people or 400 people, um, and we would get we would get those kind of numbers, uh, you don't know what, what logistics is. And I'm not I'm not crazy about logistics. I'm really more of a writer and a salesperson and a marketer. Uh, so 
I loved the events. They were a lot of fun. Uh, but I got to the point where I didn't need to do them. Uh, and as soon as I got to that point, I stopped doing that. <laughs> but I still like to teach. So I kept this thing called the System Club. And it's basically the same as the System Seminar. Uh, I go out and I find the best experts there are in each field. And instead of us, you know, everybody getting on a plane and flying to Chicago or flying to New York or flying to San Francisco, uh, we, just, we just do it one speaker at a time, one per month. And we go deep. We did a session with you not, not long ago on podcasting. So, for example, anybody that really wants to know what all this podcasting is about and how to do it right and what the essential tools are, um, they're going to get all that from, from that call. And that will save them a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of trouble. So every month I do that with a different expert. That's the system club. Um, I have these books that I, that I consider sort of introductory uh, books, uh, not in the sense of being basic or, or, or uh, you know, too simple, uh, but introductory foundational books is probably a better word. And they can be found at Ken's Catalog, K-E-N-S Catalog, C-A-T-A-L-O-G. And there's the System Secrets book, which is the original book of all the things that I used to teach when the system was brand new. They're all still applicable. I mean, nothing's changed. We have tools have changed, uh, but basic, uh, the basic structure of making the sale uh, and making profits hasn't changed one bit. So that's a very evergreen book. And then I wrote a book called The System Club Letters, and this is a, a good way to get a flavor of the kinds of um, ideas and, and philosophies. I'm very big on philosophy. I, I think you know, there's technical knowledge, uh, there's marketing smarts, uh, but there's also sort of a philosophical base uh, for being successful in business, and I cover that in great depth in, in the book called... Um, system club letters so I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, that there are people selling copies of the system club letters on Amazon for $60 I don't know why on earth anybody would do that when you can get them for me for a lot less but um, they become many many collectors items they're kind of hard to find um, but those that those two books would be a great way to get started uh, with with the system uh, and I keep thinking every now and then of you know really revving up the system, not for live events. I think I don't know. I think the live event business has gotten really hard. Everybody I know who's in it is just singing the blues, and these are some really good marketers. Um, so I'm, I might be doing something on the virtual side uh, that's similar to the live events that I used yeah, to do. Yeah. But Ken's catalog would be a great place uh, to get to know uh, my work. Uh, you know, and, and get a good foundation. Foundation is everything, right? If you know, I, I'm lucky that I played sports, and I was like I played basketball, and I was lucky to have as my coach an old American basketball player, uh, and he was he just drilled us on the fundamentals all the time, and we thought, oh, this guy, he's so boring, you know, <laughs> like why is he going over? And then as the months were rolled on, we got better and better and better to the point that we were just dominating. Our, our competitors, teams that used to be able to beat us uh, as the season wore on, we, we would just whip them. And slowly it dawned on our thick skulls that we were succeeding because we were so well-rooted in the fundamentals. And uh, that, that's a lesson that I never forgot and I still apply to marketing today. There are marketing fundamentals and you better know them. And the stronger that you deploy them, the more consistently you deploy them, the more success you're going to have. I think on that is a great place to uh, to wrap her up. And uh, Ken, I want to thank you uh, so much for joining me today and uh, sharing your uh, your experiences. You're, you know, I guess you're coming up on well, 25 years of experience, and that's that's internet experience, not counting prior to that. Yeah, it is. It's 25 years this year. Yeah. So uh, thank you again for that and. Uh, I do uh, look forward to getting you back on in the future. And if you have anything that is resembling the system seminar in an online version, definitely let us know. And I'll be happy to, uh, to get you on to talk about that as well. And I'll be the first guy to sign up. Great. Well, you, you'll probably be the first guy teaching too. We'd love to have you as an instructor, as a faculty well, member. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Okay. So I can see we are out of time. Uh, keep in mind that if there's uh, something that Ken mentioned here today that you missed or you'd like to review and Ken, 
covered a ton of ground that we do always keep all the show notes for you. And you'll find them for this particular episode at jamesmartell.com forward slash AB498. And the final reminder that if you'd like to be alerted each week to new episodes, I invite you to subscribe to the Affiliate Buzz by taking about 9 or 10 seconds right now and opening up an email and sending a blank email to affiliate underscore buzz at aweber.com. That's affiliate underscore buzz at aweber.com. Ken, thanks again. And to all of our listeners, thank you for listening to another edition of the Affiliate Buzz. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.